was a soft star. So people got people in this in the audio format are hearing us as well. Except that um, it's like it's <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's a highly professional um, podcast. This one, um, yeah, that's there we go. People can hear things. Hopefully, there we go. Uh, what can everyone hear us in the chat? Give us a wave. There, there's people saying hello. Excellent, uh, marvelous, good. Uh, happy to see all that. Lots of waving. Yeah, we're mildly uh, chaotically starting a little late, but that's fine. That's fine. Oh, people can't see us. Oh, they always get unreassured. Let's let's do um, let's do this. There we are. I've described you, Hi. Edward, as a as a sleeper train insider extraordinaire. I hope that's all right. Hello, yes, everyone. <laughs> right. Hi, Gareth. Hello. So we've got um, we've got. Oh, that's good. There's a nice crew joining us in the chat already. There we go. Um, everyone can hear the audio. Someone had it muted accidentally. Good stuff. Right. Oh, first things first. I'm gonna open this switchel. There, there's a switchel. It's apple and blackcurrant. Oh, I've, uh, I've got this here. Oh, lovely. What are you drinking? Do tell. This is um, four pills, which is from. I live in Coblenz, which is um, which is on the Rhine, where the where, at the confluence of um, mm. of Rhine and Moselle, and uh, th this beer is from somewhere from from somewhere around here. Mm. So cheers. Yeah, cheer, absolutely cheers. I'm on soft for some strange reason, but that looks delicious. I went to Coblenz once. Um, I was very, very, very hungover. So I spent a lot of time in beautiful, mm. stunning Coblenz with an excellent view across, from, the, from the confluence. You can look across mm. to the other side of the Rhine and there, mm. are, there are so many freight trains that go through. Um, yes, yes, it's, it gets quite loud, actually. Yeah, they, were, they, they kept waking me up from my, like, uh, hungover stupor. Stupor, yeah. Yeah, I made mistakes. I regretted mm. it. I then It was my last performance, I think, with the Music Society at the university. Uh, mm. And I was... I, I, I did percussion and then didn't say oh, anyway it was an embarrassing state of affairs but it's a stunning city absolutely beautiful i just mm. recovered enough to have a little run around at the end of the at the end of our little trip there anyway that's a oh, terrible that's story <laughs> um, <laughs> everyone we have edward schofield here um Ca uh, capotreno ed on twitter is that have i got that mm. right that you got that right yes capotreno is italian and means means um train manager nice um right yeah well without further ado let's let's just Let's crack on, actually. Ed, thanks for joining. I'm gonna, I'm gonna mash, mash buttons and be in control of things. Yes. I'm always reassured when that works. Uh, Ed, of course, can't actually hear the lovely theme tune and has to watch back to hear it. But anyway, as the 125 fades out... See the British Rail train, so... That's it. You see it. You see the intro, and that's, that's the important yes, bit. Yes, I saw, I, I saw an APT, I believe. Yeah, there's, there's and, and also a nasty-looking pacer. But, but Latin. And there are a few people going sad, doing sad faces because of the, there's an Intercity 225 at the end, which has officially mm. stopped its services up to... Uh, up to Scotland, which is um, yes, I heard about that. Yeah, yes, yeah, lots of lots of sadness going on in the chat. Mm. Anyway, um, hello everyone in the chat. Do send your questions through. We'll um, pick them up as we go through. Uh, yeah, mm. we're talking about. I'll tell you what. Let's go. Let's do small faces. We're talking about sleeper trains today. This is going to be fun. Um, before before we get cracking, uh, and apologies in advance for the, the brief uh, rest for our, our guest. Um, let's talk about some things. First of all, it's not going to be the news. We're going to talk about. Um, I'm going to very briefly put the Samaritans number up and just point out that it's okay to ask for help and actually put a request out to everyone watching today. Um, given that lockdown is lasting a long time and there's evidence that it's going to last a lot longer, there's still a lot of people working from home or trapped at home, not working. Um, all of the above are, are potentially quite damaging for a lot of people's mental health, including my own. Uh, I've been feeling particularly bad this week. Just reach out. So everyone in the chat, if you've got someone you know, just reach out to someone because they will be glad of you doing that. I can promise you that. Um, and for anyone out there who's struggling, just don't hesitate to call the Samaritans number, honestly. Just just call it. Um, yeah, so that is, that's the sober start, but I think it's an important point to make. So, um, uh, yes, do uh, reach out and contact someone who you haven't for a while, because they'll be glad of it. Right, the news. This is, there we go. So, um, the news is that uh, the Borders Railway is no longer new. It's now old. Officially, it's not a new railway. It's been around for five years. It opened five years ago today. Um, here's a nice picture of some pretty reverse curves and some 
bod geotechnical engineering uh yeah this, this here it is looking nice and it has been a, an absolutely tremendous success and i'm hoping that we have a huge amount of data associated with the scale of that success so that we can um basically show people that that the current analysis for what what demand looks like with a new railway is a load of rubbish um, and we can just talk about the huge added value that a railway has for an area so uh, there's some really interesting little news stories that have come out today about how beneficial the borders railway has been for um for areas uh you know for areas that didn't have a railway connection or used to have a railway connection um yes you know, so businesses are like booming it just changes the people's attitude of towns like if you've got a railway station even if people don't actually take the train it's just raising awareness as a, as a place as being a tourist destination um it's increased the sense of community in some of these areas it's just that's just yeah there's a really nice bbc piece that goes through it and for me it's it's just evidence that we need to move away from using cost benefit analysis to analyze major strategic infrastructure decisions that's not what they're for um they're for deciding on kind of uh, miniature decisions micro decisions they are not for macro decisions you know large scale decisions um so anyone who tries to use them you know anyone who tries to hit projects with a benefit cost ratio and say oh it's not worth it are charlatans uh, anyway so that, well that's the sort of podcast we love to do we love to um you know hit out at transport economics although decent transport ec- uh, economists make that point as well to be honest so most of the good transport economists i know on twitter are like stop using cost benefit analysis for this stuff Anyway, rant over. Oh, no, not rant over, because uh, after this, I think, is it quarter past nine? People in the chat can correct me. There's going to be a live stream of a journey up the line, which should be quite fun. I like the look of that. So go on to, the, after this, head up to the YouTube, uh, the Scott Rail YouTube channel um, to, to, to see more about that. That should be quite interesting. Uh, next in the news. Ah, uh, yeah, this has become a bit of a thing. I've started putting these in uh, more regularly. Uh, the update of the data about rail usage uh, or generally transport usage during COVID. Oh, let's switch our faces off briefly so you can see the... There we are. So, as you can see, rail has had a bit of a weird... bit of a weird numerically flickeroo, uh, a bit of a drop, quite a major drop, actually, down to about the 33% mark from where it was at 40% uh, last week. So a bit of a hit. We'll see if that changes when the data gets updated because it, it looks to me like there's a bit of some interesting statistical or data collection anomalies going on there. But um, if so, that's uh, interesting to see why that's happened compared to you know, bus travel hasn't taken the same hit, which to me seems a bit strange. So, um, you know, anything that would have impacted rail, would you'd have expected it to impact on bus services. And actually the bus service data is more reliable. Anyway, uh, interesting. We'll, we'll see what happens. All of the cycling data has been revised as well, down a little bit, like down by about 5% across the board. So clearly there's been a bit of data. Someone's clearly got hold of the data set overall and been interrogating the quality of it. Anyway, interesting to observe. We'll keep watching watching that um what's the next thing we've got to say so oh yeah right well let's bring let's bring ed back because we need to get ed back here we are ed is here we're talking about sleeper trains i couldn't resist putting a a picture of the sky the night sky with the word sleeper trains in front of it it looks very dramatic um before we do that though ed let's 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 bring you tell us about yourself give give us a bit of an introduction what what do you do um yeah Mm. why, why are you why are you an authority on sleeper trains tell us Right. Well, my name's Edward, and I'm very pleased to um, see you all here. And I'm very uh, grateful to Gareth for inviting me on, on onto the show today. Um, I'm actually English, but I've grown up in Germany, and I I live in Germany now. I went. Uh, I grew up in Munich, and that is where I went to school and went to university, and that is where I joined the railways while I was at university. Ah, interesting. Uh, I did it along the side. Actually, I joined the. Uh, the German night train service, City Nightline, as it was then, mm. as a student, and then somehow I ended up uh, uh, ended up doing uh, uh, doing it full time. And uh, I still ma- still managed to I just managed to finish my degree by the skin of my teeth, and then and then I um, uh, I studied Russian linguistics, and there's not really much money to be made there, so. <laughs> So, so it's all, all the my, Russian linguists watching. Yes, yes. Anyway, but so so all, all my all my university friends weren't getting any jobs, but I had this f- fabulous job which had me going to Paris and to Rome and to Venice every week and ma- uh, making enough money to live. So I stayed on the railways. Oh, amazing! Yes, and then uh, 2016 Deutsche Bahn closed down its night trains, which was uh, very very sad. But uh, uh, this 
caused me to start my blog, railguideeurope.com, with which I help uh, people, um, especially from America, but also from England or uh, all other English-speaking countries, find their way around Europe, uh, getting better tickets. Because often I found that I'd have, in one sleeper car, I would have, um, I would have some people who'd paid you know, 60 euros for a berth in the sleeper. And then I'd have the Americans next door who paid 300 for exactly the same bed and quality and all. So uh, my website is about helping people uh, get uh, get better deals uh, when traveling Europe by train. I also now work for another company, a private company that uh, runs night trains, usually special trains, but uh, so trains that people order. Uh, but I, but um, the most interesting thing I'm doing at the moment is working on the Alpen Silt Night Express, which is a train from Silt, which is in the very, very north uh, of Germany, an island, in fact, uh, all the way down to Salzburg. So I've, I've worked okay. as, I've worked that train as a train manager as well. But I'm also uh, at the moment tasked with with developing the developing new new breakfast and uh, onboard services for this train. And so that's my night train cred ah perfect i just as i I think we're getting a bit of um feedback on the mic so you can probably let it hang i think it might it might be or i think it might be all right it will will, if if not we'll we'll i'll get you to hold it again but it yeah it's it's will that that should solve the problems um yeah fantastic yeah so um i mean yeah it's like a dream job isn't it to be able to sort of whiz around left right and center across europe with with it really that really was a dream job yes i loved it yeah, yeah. Oh, the sound's coming through perfectly as well. I think that's all right. So it saves, probably saves your arm. Get RSI if you uh, hold up the whole time. Cool. So, um, oh, amazing. So uh, a lot of people giving some Munich love as well, actually. So I, I did. I had a trip to Munich uh, and actually got the train down to Garmisch, uh, which was quite mm. nice as well. You know, in, trip, the, yeah. Sort of the amazing sort of wintry scene, sort of DB Regio yes. sort of train making its way down. It was great. Um, yeah, there is weird. My, there was this weird art exhibition going on. It was in the winter of two thousand nine, and there mm. was an art exhibition going on by a, by an artist called Irvin Vorm, uh, mm-hmm. which was like, uh, and all the, there were just all these adverts of like a gherkin on a pink background everywhere. And for some strange reason, the two things that stuck in my mind: one of them was like this incredible farmer's platter meal that I had in a proper classic sort of Bavarian sort of beer house. Yes. You know, huge long benches uh, yes. and just this platter eyes with like sausage sauerkraut just all the best stuff bliss um but also these posters for Irving Wurm which just cracked me up because they were they were so surreal uh also the people uh also the people surfing at the Englisher Garden that's also a quite a vivid yes yes on that on that on that wave that weird uh, standing wave yes Mm. yeah it's quite cool anyway this isn't all about Munich we should move on Mm. (laughs) so uh let's go back to the slides so sleeper trains uh Right, here's a map that's so small that no one can see anything, so I'm going to zoom in on it. Although it's nice, it is interesting to point out how far north sleeper trains go, actually, because you've got them right down at the south, in, in you know, heading into Sicily, um, and then right at the top there, heading up to, I don't know, it's not, I don't quite know what the furthest north one is, and this, this image is on Wikipedia, so you can find it quite easily. But um, that's a pretty decent northerly sort of sleeper train. But if I zoom in a bit on sort of central Europe, it's not a bad little spread of sleeper services there, I think. But if you look, if you look at um, if you look at Russia, it's, um, that, that map is actually missing all the all the Russian night trains oh, as well. Because uh, if you would, if if you had the Russian night trains, um, thing is in in Russia, most trains are actually night trains, and because they they travel for such a long time that uh, they just have a day mode and a night mode. And if if you had the Russian night trains on that map, then you'd have stuff going even further north. Ah, that's interesting. I wonder if this is just looking at any at things that go into. You know, that, that cross the Russian border and mm. go into Europe. Perhaps that's why they've excluded them. But, yes, uh, yes, that's, but yes, absolutely. There's a, there's a very satisfying looking straight line actually, which is from Paris down to um, uh, not even it's even further south than Barry. So going right down the back of the the, the Italian boot. That's a really satisfying mm. one. I like that a lot. Um, yes, that's. I mean, I know we're getting distracted. We're getting sidetracked already. I went I went on that one last year, one. the one to Lecce. Oh, is it down to Lecce? Oh, yeah, okay. I can't, it's too small for me to see, but I think that's Lecce. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's not. It's too small for the the, the image mm. to pick up. I mean, it's a very high-resolution image. It's like 6,000 pixels, which means that all the text is mm. tiny. But I'll, I'll mm. put a link to this image because it's quite a nice map, even if it possibly yes. isn't perfectly accurate. Um, yeah, that's quite good. I, I like that. And um, Anyway, so, right, I'm getting distracted. We're going to come back to this map. 
so there are in the UK two sleeper services, right? Here is uh, a this is this isn't actually the official branding. This is me mocking up what the branding would look like in in some sort of parallel universe where uh, there's unified branding across our railways. But I love it too much to avoid putting it in. So we've got the Cali sleeper, which is actually formed of two different sleeper services. And then we've got the Night Riviera, which is you can see in the in the back of the shot here. There's a there's a, a diesel, a diesel between kind of just behind the HST, and that holds the Night Riviera. So those are the two UK ones, right? Um, I don't know if there's anything particularly exciting about about them. I don't know from your perspective. Are they do they have any particularly interesting or unique features? Um, well, I've I've never actually been on either of them. I'd I'd be very very interested to go on them because uh, English sleepers are. are just a little bit different from the from the standard European continental services, which I've grown up with and I'm used to and and know very well. Um, yeah. I believe I believe the, both the Caledonian sleeper and the Night Riviera they have um, sleeping cars and seated cars, but nothing in between. Am I right? Yeah, that's right. So there's there's no like, yes, yeah, so there's no sort of halfway house. Pretty much, yes. you, you either sat upright or you're or or you've got like a luxurious hotel style, frankly overpriced birth um yeah there's yes. no middle ground anyway so that's those two uh, we'll, we can, we don't have to we won't dwell on those because i think that's probably the, the, the sleeper services that most people in the chat are probably most familiar with um what we're more interested in i think is is the stuff that's happening on mainland europe so if we go back to the map which i'm going to do now um i think it's yeah so so let's go back to the map and tell us a bit so we've got this map up and i kind of sprung this on you because i did you didn't send this through and i sort of thought i'd include yeah. it out of interest mm -hmm. There are some interesting gaps on this map. So ignoring the lack of connection between the UK and the mainland and mainland Europe, which we'll come back to at the end, by the way. So hold all your why can't we have a connection to Europe uh, questions. Hold them to the end. Um, there is there is there are a few interesting gaps. So tell us tell us about some of these gaps that you can see and, and where, where you think they've arisen from. France, for me, feels like an obvious one. Well, France, France has been sabotaging night trains for an awfully long time now. So um, the the Munich to pa the the Munich Berlin Hamburg to Paris night train, which I used to work on, even when it was a hundred percent sold out, it still lost money because the French track access charges were so high. Ah, um, because uh, uh, SNCF absolutely hates uh, local hauled trains. They they much prefer EMUs. So they're they're very they're they're all about TGVs. The French. Mm. And uh, this trend might at last be turning. Uh, there has there have been has been news coming out of France that uh, from the Macron administration that they want to uh, uh, get more night trains on track again. So it's, it's very um, going, going to be watching France very very closely yeah, to see okay. what happens. Ah, yeah, okay, that's interesting. Because and pre-COVID, there felt like there was a bit of a sleeper train renaissance going on. There felt like there were new services popping up, and I was getting very excited because. So I've got family over in Belgrade, and mm. um, at the moment, it's it is not a practical journey by rail, frankly. So I so I do fly. And it's to, the, the Balkans but, are, are very very difficult by rail. Yeah, very yeah. especially so, anything anything that used to be Yugoslavia is very difficult. Yeah, yeah, can confirm the the, the tracks are a mess and the services mm. are. Um, strangely distorted thanks to you know civil war reasons um yes. and um yeah so so but but there there felt like this renaissance and obviously covid has been a bit of a hit but do you think do you think that renaissance is going to continue do you think that or do you think there was a renaissance is that you know i do i do well actually um just uh, another gap i want to uh mention mm, is mm -hmm. is between berlin and paris the moment ah, yes yeah the only the only night train at the moment that runs between uh, the only scheduled night train between Berlin and Paris, the two most important cities, capital cities of the European Union, uh, bar Brussels, is run by Putin's Russia. Really? Yes. So is that this orange line here that's that's, that's um, going, or is that I something assume different? I it's that one, because the Moscow, uh, the Moscow um, Berlin, uh, the Moscow Paris Express passes through Berlin, and that goes once, oh, it did go once a week before COVID. At the moment, this is one of the few um, services that hasn't returned yet. Um, uh, okay. Uh, so that that is the most uh, that is uh, the the gap which I find most bizarre. Yeah. Bizarre, because you really, really, you would need a. I think there should be a night train service between Berlin, Brussels, and Paris. It so feels Berlin, like a no-brainer. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you know, you'd run a 
run a service yes, I, to connect um, these these major capital, you know, kind of the core capitals of yes. Western Europe. Yeah. And then uh, by, by connection, you'd then be able to get to all the other capitals because obviously mm. Berlin generally is an access point out to, yes. to eastern, to, to northeastern yes. uh, Europe. Yes. And then, but your other question was um, uh, about the renaissance of night trains. So it was already, it was already underway. And, but, but I do think actually that the whole COVID thing is going to, is only going to make night trains even more relevant mm. because there's, I think there's a, a uh, when COVID passes, there will be uh, uh, there will uh, people will be uh, wanting more environmentally friendly travel. Uh, I don't expect all the airlines to survive it, so so that means that airline prices are quite likely to go up. And um, also, the, the the train I work for at the moment, the Alpensilt Night Express, was in fact founded because of uh, of coronavirus. Because um, yeah. my com my company wouldn't have had the spare rolling stock if um, if uh, coronavirus hadn't happened. Because uh, before we were we were using these carriages, we had um, the Alpensalt Night Express's uh, couchette only train, mm. and uh, we were using our couchettes for running uh, open access Flix train services between Berlin, Hamburg, and Cologne. Uh, however. Uh, Flixtrain stopped cooperating with us uh, during coronavirus, and so we had all these carriages standing around, and so we so we just started a pop-up night train. And uh, what's different about this train is that they, we only sell uh, entire compartments, which means mm. people can keep uh, their social distance and they don't have to wear a face mask when they're in their compartments. Mm. And I know that um, in the on the night jets as well, uh, they don't make you wear a mask if you're in a compartment of your own. So, so suddenly, uh, compartments in general are going to become more interesting again. I yes. reckon. Yes, actually, yeah. and 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 also, yeah. So I suppose, yeah, that's yeah. It's very exciting. One of the challenges is the cross-border element in terms of what that means in terms of different countries' quarantine rules. But that's sort and of also, and also this this quarantine rule thing is also making it making it less attractive to go abroad. So um, uh, one of the reasons the, the Alpensilt Night Express was able to start was because so many people in Germany are now holidaying in Germany. Mm. Ah, okay. And so, uh, uh, so it's suddenly made, tra suddenly made trains a bit more interesting from that perspective. Then you've also got the, what's a, uh, an even more interesting train is the um, is Regiojet, uh, Regiojet's night train from Prague to Rijeka. Uh, uh, Regiojet is a is an open access private operator from Czechia, and they they operate day day mainline services in Czechia and Slovakia. They also reach Vienna now, and this summer they started a uh, a couchette service from uh, from Prague to Rijeka, which is a which is actually a traditional uh, summer um, summer holiday destination for the Czechs, mm. and. Um, and it's, it's been a roaring success. They they were going they were going only three times a week, I believe, but then they had to increase it to every day, and it's been uh, it's done really, really very well. Ah, oh, tremendous! Mm. Um, all right, that's fantastic. Right, we've already had we've had a few questions, so I'm gonna if you don't mind, I'll just ask a couple of, of these. Um, Romy Adekra asks, um, how hard is it to sanitize a compartment during COVID nineteen? Um, it's. It's slightly more. Uh, it's, it's slightly more um, work than you would normally do. So normally you would just vacuum, but in this case, all the all, all the surfaces which are touched frequently are wiped with disinfectant. Mm. Um, ah, yeah, interesting. Okay, so it's, so not so you're not talking about like twice the amount of time required. It's sort of no, yeah, no. You know, but I think on the I, I actually think on the whole. Covid has been good for for cleanliness on trains. So so the the loos on trains have become so much better since Covid, <laughs> yeah. haven't they? Yeah, I think a few people will agree with that. Um, other yes. than where they've just closed them off, because I think a lot of services have just closed the doors mm. and locked them, uh, which is a bit more disappointing. Um, so let's have a what other there's some a few other questions that I must I mustn't forget. Ah yeah, so John, actually this might be a question which we'll save until. A later image, but John Christoph, you must remind me to ask this question because it's about local hall versus multiple unit, which is a really interesting question, I think. Um, but we'll come back to that one. Um, right, okay. In which case, let's because we're already at twenty six minutes past. Let's go into the next 
slide, which is we've we've so we've talk, been talking about couchettes, but I don't actually know what the difference between a couchette and a you know a normal berth is. So I think mm. that's what you're going to explain to us, actually, isn't it? Yes, exactly. So <clears throat> uh, the, um, I wanted to tell you about um, mainland the, the standard mainland European night trains, and they usually have. Broadly speaking, three different classes. They have uh, seated cars, um, couchette cars, and sleepers. What you see here is a single sleeper in a in a in a night jet uh, sleeping car. Mm -hmm. These are, in fact, the sleeping cars which I uh, which I first trained on. Ah, okay. And, and uh, this is a, an eco a standard economy compartment with uh, with a little wash basin, which you can see on the right. It's mm. not not easy to see, but it, um, that that oh, wooden yeah, just... that, that wooden thing on the right is actually a, a small cabinet which you can open. So this is the sink, right? This this thing yes. that's sort of sticking out here. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And uh, uh, sleeping cars have a proper always have a proper bed and uh, somewhere where you can at least wash your face and brush your teeth. Uh, this bed can have up to three beds. Um, uh, the moment it's configured for one bed, but if you, uh, the, that uh, that yellowish uh, this thing, thing here tops the middle bed, which is folded away, and up top, out of view, is the top bed. You can't you can't actually see that. Ah, so there's another one. There's another one up here somewhere. Bed. It's theoretically possible to sleep three people in that. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So that's so that's a sleeper. So that's that's what a sleeper looks like. Yes. And then the next one we've got, uh, what's this then? This is a couchette. Couchette is from, from the French to lie down. It is, a, it is um, essentially a carriage in which you can lie down, but you, you, you cannot, you are not guaranteed sleep, though usually you do sort of um, become unconscious at some point during the night. So it is, a, it is much better than, than um, uh, sitting up all night. Um, there are usually six of these in one compartment. Up to six of these, you can uh, usually uh, you can book a couchette with uh, you can book a, a six book berth couchette or a four berth couchette. Four berth couchettes are a tiny bit more expensive, but uh, but as there are only uh, as the maximum occupancy is four people, it is um, a quite a lot more comfortable mm. and uh, and more spacious. Um, in a, couch a, a couchette is a is a bunk which is sort of padded. It's not very very soft, but it is. It is padded to some extent, and you've got a clean sheet, a clean pillow, and a blanket to cover yourself up. Uh, these uh, are usually mixed sex, uh, but uh, ladies can uh, book a ladies' couchette, and then they'll only be put with women. In fact, in fact, I had, a, had a, I had, um, <clears throat> I, I had, I once had a had a, a, a very difficult situation on the night train when when um, uh, uh, when uh, I had a transvestite who booked herself into the uh, into the women's couchette, and then other women came and said and said they wanted uh, and said said they they there was there was a man in there. It was, a, it was appalling, uh, very very difficult situation. But fortunately, had an, I had another couchette and was able to uh, make sure that the the uh, uh, the, the, yeah, so the, the the lady the was, able, was able to be on person. her own. I was able to solve it in that case. But that um, that uh, this is a um, thing which has. Uh, th this is quite an old system, so the ladies' couchette is is, a, is at least from the 1960s or so. Yeah, so it's a, so it's a, a, a system that's possibly a little behind the times in terms of uh, people. Yes. Yeah. So um, mm. yeah. Okay. So we've got couchette, and uh, then the next image is of ah yeah. Okay. So what? So this is something different again. Yeah, this this is actually a seated car, and usually uh, in uh, during the day these would be normal seats. But um, this is also a picture from the Austrian night jet. Um, it, these carriages used to be standard in in most uh, trains that went overnight. Uh, you uh, you can pull the seats down, and then you you form a you form a big kind of um, uh, little landscape on which you can then lie down. I remember when I was very small. When we went, when, when I went to England with my mother in the that was the late 1980s, we um, uh, I, I remember going on one of these from 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 Frankfurt to Ostend, and then getting the jet foil as it was then, and we spent the night on one of these. And uh, the night jet still has this, and this is this is uh, this can be quite a an interesting option for 
people who want to travel as cheaply as possible, though on the whole I would always recommend at least going for couchette. So, yeah, so you've got, yeah, so there's a sort of a, it's still vaguely comfortable. When I was on the sleeper yes. train, going up to, used to get the sleeper train up to, do, to the hills, and it would be mm. uh, me curled up on one of these, except that it didn't recline mm. nearly as much as that. Um, mm. Yeah, so uh, they've still got a few bits and pieces there. Um, right, okay, so this, <laughs> this is where I've dumped in um, uh, a, picture of, uh, a picture of my own, um, which is from India, actually. So the last time I got on a sleeper, uh, just to give an idea, so I think this counts as a. Does this count as a couchette? I think it might. Um, do. Or do it's, you think... Is it? It's open plan, isn't it? So, so this is, is it... this was what was known as tier one AC, I think. Mm. Uh, so it had a bunch of curtains, but it is open plan. Mm. Yes. Um, the, um, uh, I, um, in Russian trains have those as well. They're they're sort of the third class. I mean, they're they're basically a. a, a come closest to uh, European couchettes, I'd say. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, so it was a bit of a. We, we ended up getting turfed out halfway through by some some angry people, uh, and it was a bit of an interesting experience. Although I'd totally recommend it because, like, the views in the morning were just absolutely stunning. You know, you just have this, these incredible views uh, out of the train, which I have to say were a were a delight. Uh, were a why real did delight. You, why did you get turfed out? Oh, there was some confusion. We we'd ended up. Basically, we'd got Tier 1 AC on a, on a total blag in it, uh, having mm. not booked it in advance whatsoever, but the, the, mm. the, the chap in the station was very helpful, uh, sorted us out, but there was a family who had asked, at, at the start of the night, they'd asked in a fairly unclear way if they could have, if they could move into our one and be spread so that they were all together, and mm. so we okay. consolidated a bit, and then mm. someone else came in who decided they, they weren't happy with and it ended up with some sort of rigmarole, <laughs> and I ended up sort of sleeping in a different bed and Dina was in another one it was mild chaos but you know it was part of the experience uh, yes. and it meant that I had this sort of I, I was in a longitudinal rather than a transverse uh, sort of bed uh, and I yes. got these lovely views in the morning which was great so I, I, mm. I, was, I was quite happy um, uh, anyway yes so uh, enough of that let's go to right it's one of your so this is an interesting picture uh, tell us about this what's going on here and why is this important so uh, oh, I, for, to... I, I should sorry before I do that I should I, I need to do more better audio described. In front of us here is uh, a picture at uh, Brennero Brenner, which is actually it's Italian, so maybe that's the wrong pronunciation. Between Österreich, Austria, and Italia, Italy, uh, there's lots of concrete on show because there's a because this railway appears to be in a cutting adjacent to uh, uh, an autostrada, um, and it's all very concretey and quite pleasing with some forest in the background. Um, Yes, and there's some OLE and some railway tracks. So for all the people following on the podcast, hopefully that has created you the image of this uh, that we're about to describe. So sorry, Ed, go on. Right. So this is uh, this is a picture from from Brenner, which is from from the Brenner Pass, which is the the border station between Italy and Austria. Um, um, Gareth asked me for for. What, what, what did we to talk about of the op- the actual operation of nut, of night trains mm. the uh, the nuts and bolts and so I thought I'd supply this picture. So we have the border here uh, between Austria and Italy and uh, um, running night trains across borders is always rather complicated and it's it's you you, you really are reliant on the companies uh, cooperating with each other. And uh, so so if. Uh, when I when I would if I would come with my night train from Austria, I'd I'd have an engine which uh, took uh, fifteen thousand volts alternating current from the overhead lines. But in Italy, they use uh, three thousand volts direct current. So um, so com- coming from Austria, you then you'd come into Brenner, and then they'd uh, they'd have the um, the overhead lines on fifteen thousand volts. Um, uh, alternating current, then they switch them off, and then a, a little diesel engine comes and takes away the Austrian engine, and then uh, then comes an Italian engine with the Italian current, uh, uh, which is uh, which you, um, which then uh, uses Italian signals. And the the carriages, meanwhile, have to be equipped for all the different uh, currents which they pass through. And what what's interesting is that uh, in the 1960s uh, they. Uh, they they actually uh, 
set out a standard which uh, carriages would have to fulfill if they were to be used internationally. Mm. And and uh, th- th- this is what made made it possible to have the most amazing network of night trains uh, uh, all, all over Europe. And what's, what's actually very, very interesting is that in this in this time of the European Union and the Schengen um, uh, and the Schengen Agreement, when when there's hardly any borders, uh, there are practically no night trains. Whereas during the Cold War, when there was the the, the Iron Curtain, uh, we had loads and loads of night trains, and it was uh, and you could just uh, go to a ticket office in London and buy yourself a ticket to Athens, and you got it, and that was mm-hmm. it. Whereas all these things are not possible anymore in this uh, in this uh, time of uh, borderless travel. Which is strange, isn't it? It feels it's such a bizarre thing that we've moved backwards, mm. despite um, yes. you know the administration and also the ability to administer, mm. having theoretically got a lot more straightforward. Yes, um, yeah. It's, so, so, so one of the one of the big hurdles for for night trains is uh, is having a train which can cope with or which which complies with all the all the various rules in various countries, and these have been um, these have been diverging. For quite a while, mm. so so um, uh, Italy suddenly decided that they wanted to have uh, they wanted it to be possible to control which side the doors opened on from from an Italian engine and German engine German carriages weren't equipped to do this, so so uh, that was when that was a time when the German night trains to Italy almost had to be cancelled. This is um, so. This is the this, so. This is the advantage, the massive advantage of um, following the TSIs and having that as a baseline so that you can have an yes. interoperable system because it is dualally. It's a bit mm. like, it's, it's, this to me, and the multi-voltage thing across Europe is, for me, one. it's, it's a bit like for the OLE people, the, the, the mm. overhead contact system people for those in yes. Europe, OCS. Um, it's a bit like the, the, the gauge issue, the gauge war in the UK back in the, back in the, uh, the 1840s and 50s. You know, the, the, the fact that you know, the railway is a system and systems like you know systems need to be interconnected. It's a system of systems, and deciding that those systems can't work together is dulali. When so, mm. so, one of the things that there are a few people curious is why you can't have a dual voltage um, uh, locomotive so that you don't have to pull it off and, and you know. Oh, you can. Waste time. You can. Um, the so, for instance, the the night jet from Munich and Vienna to Venice. Uh, it crosses into Italy through uh, not not at Brenner but at uh, Tarvisio, which is further east, mm. and um, uh, they they have an engine, uh, a, a Taurus engine, uh, which can which can do both. Mm. So it it can run both under fifteen thousand volt um, alternating current and three thousand volt direct current. Um, uh, this, um, and of course, there's signalling interoperability to think about, and all the you know, yes, a few people pointing yes. out. It is an immensely complex, um, mm. yeah, it's an immensely complex process. But but the key thing, the, the the thing that we should hope that everyone is striving for, engineers, systems operators, you know, infrastructure managers should be, you know, train operators should all be aiming for an interoperable system because it only allows more of these services to run, and that means more railways, which you know, more railway travel, which is Good for the environment. Um, sorry, it's all right. You're back. You blipped out there for a second, but we've got you back. Oh, thank so, God. Um, That's good. <laughs> yeah, you're, it's all right. So, um, oh, crikey, lots and lots of interesting questions. Uh, lots of people pointing out, Brian Munro, for example, pointing out that um, systems really ought to have interoperability and they get dealt with in IT all the time and rail transport has to deal with it as well. Um, some, uh, so some people pointing out, do we not have the technical standards of interoperability? So the, the technical specifications for interoperability are the European TSIs, as they often get referred to. Yes, they do exist, but the trouble is is that they're, something, they're, they're a target that people are aiming for, but the standard doesn't mean that everyone's complying with it yet. Uh, we're still a, a way to go on quite a few systems. So um, it's not just about load and gauge, as, some, as people in the UK seem to be fixated on. Um, anyway, so yeah, lots of, lots of nice chat in the, in the, going on, uh, lovely stuff. If you want to, for, for anyone in the chat, just at my name in because it comes up in red and it's really easy for me to spot questions. Um, uh, yes, to there was a question there, David Shepherd. Yes, this is the edge of Italy upon the wall. 
Uh, people are wondering whether that crack in the concrete is where is where Italy is, is the line where Italy and Austria are separated on the map. <laughs> um, nice, actually, no, no, it's not. The whole thing is it. The whole thing is Italy. Uh, the Austrian border is is quite a bit further left. Ah, okay, that's interesting. But it's, I suppose, it makes sense for it all to be on one side, and actually, you just pass sort of reasonably inconsequentially across the border a, a bit it's further about, away. It's about it's about um, it's about five minutes on foot uh, to the ah, Austrian so border. Then. No. Um, yeah. So uh, okay. So good stuff. So that's yeah. There's a lot to think about. So that's a lot about the technical elements. So in of rolling stock, particularly, but also infrastructure to to, to have to deal with. Um, mm. So the next picture, I think, uh, this is a fun one. Right. What on earth is going on here? For those in the for those who mm. are listening to this, this is a picture of a Deutsche Bahn uh, coach with uh, a gentleman's bottom and feet sticking out of one window. Uh, with high vis and a little ladder, uh, please tell me what's going on here, Edward. <laughs> yes, so so this is this was in two thousand thirteen um, when um, th there was a there was a terrible storm in Germany and uh, Rosenheim, which is in in southern Bavaria, which is where the, the um, night train from Rome to Munich had to pass through, was um, was flooded. And what then happened was uh, the uh, the night train coming from Rome. Uh, only got as far as Verona, and then had to, they then had to be cancelled. Oh. And I was in fact I was in, in fact at home that day, and I I then uh, I turned up at the office for some some small more some small training course. But then they said they needed they needed someone to fly to Italy to look for our train. <laughs> no one knew where it was. So so uh, so I went back home, got all my got all my stuff and uh, my whole so my whole uniform. And all, all my equipment, and then then I was um, dr um, drafted on. Uh, so I was made into a task force and sent to Italy by plane, by uh, <laughs> to uh, to Bologna to go and look for our train. And then we so uh, so arrived in Bologna, got in a taxi, then went to the uh, then went to Bologna station, and then um, which was, which was where our train had last been heard of. <laughs> and. Um, uh, Luckily, by chance, I then saw one of my Italian colleagues who I who, who I knew well, and then I then I got him to take me to the station master. And then the station master made a few phone calls, and then they they uh, they they told us where it was, and so we had to get a taxi to somewhere really really far outside Bologna. And then we found the train, and then when we got to the train, we realised we'd forgotten we'd forgotten the the keys for getting into oh, the no. getting into the sleeper uh, carriage. So that's why we had to open the window from the outside, and I had to climb through. <laughs> And so this is me doing that, and then we spent the whole next week uh, in Italy uh, with this night train because we we um, the, the line was closed, and so it was a it was um, uh, it wasn't a week it was four or five days of, of crisis management because uh, the, the the train would be would be taken to Rome, and then we'd uh, we'd uh, get all the people on, and then we'd take them as far as Verona or or I think Brenna in fact Brennero, and then they'd. Then they'd all have to pile onto a bus, and then our train would be taken back to Italy again, and uh, back into Italy again. And mm. so that's how we spent a week. And eventually, we ran out of everything: so bedding and um, and uh, yeah, ma mainly bedding, but also um, toothbrushing water and things like that. Mm. And so it's just, um, uh, it's just a picture of what what goes on behind the scenes. <laughs> what goes on behind? Yeah, the glamorous on. life. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, so we've had a very good question, a very interesting question, I think, or an important question from David Shepard, um, which is relating to um, step-free access. So obviously a lot of the rolling stock we've seen uh, is quite old, and also European um, rolling coaching stock is often not particularly accessible because it's often designed for, you know, it often has steps at the vestibule end. So what provisions are made for uh, particularly people in wheelchairs, but more broadly people with mobility issues, Getting on and off um, sleeper train stock. Um, well, um, a lot of um, there are carriages which have been adapted for this. So um, uh, my company, which r runs the Alpen Silt Express, uh, we've got this. Uh, we've got a couchette carriage with a special um, with a special compartment, which is wheelchair accessible. The door is a bit wider. And um, it is still it is still quite high up, which means that you you have to have a 
um, uh, you, you need to be lifted up on a platform. But every German station has one of these one of these special uh, platforms for lifting up wheelchairs. And uh, this compartment also has um, a wheelchair accessible uh, loo right next to it. Ah, okay. And the yeah. carriages are in fact made in the 1960s. For, so that particular couchette is made in the 1960s, but they were um, they were adapted at the, in the early 2000s mm. um, for wheelchair accessibility. But the the difficulty is that there's only one of these compartments in each train service, and that is something which I find very hampering and um, frankly not acceptable. That that mm. um, that uh, only one person in a wheelchair can can uh, go. Can travel with their wheelchair. Really, I, I I wish very much that we'd be able to come up with something a bit more um, uh, for accommodating a bit more people. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the ultimate uh, aim, and this is challenging when you have lots of different platform heights, but the ultimate aim is that you have an entirely independent. So any you know each each coach, mm. or at least the majority of coaching stock, is is actually accessible for all, and yes. so they don't. There's there's almost not an issue, you know. Someone in a wheelchair or with a mobility impairment can just get on the train without really thinking twice about it. Um, mm. The challenge for that is that there's a lot of rolling stock that would need to be designed and procured, um, mm. and uh, and managing different platform heights because yes. there are lots and lots of different platform heights to a much greater dramatic level than the UK uh, across mm. Europe is clearly um, a significant challenge. But uh, yeah, hopefully it's one that particularly I suppose the market drives this so if there is a much greater demand for sleeper trains across the uk uh, across europe then you may see this a, 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 yes. a desire to procure more rolling stock that kind of leads me on to john christoph's question from a long while ago which is a really good one um which is to what extent are do sleeper trains have to be local hauled or could you have multiple unit or indeed are there multiple unit sleeper trains out there I think uh, in China there are multiple unit mm. sleeper trains, um, high speed multiple unit sleeper trains. Um, I've I've read about them, but I I can't remember any I can't remember seeing any pictures. But um, for that that sort of thing does exist, and I I'm I think it, it, I don't know. It's 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 possible people might make those. Um, uh, um, I suppose it depends on the generations of rolling stock that become available. Mm. So for example, you know you could use the uh, older um you know some of the first or perhaps second generation uh high speed trains and have mm, those converted for for use on on the high speed network as sleeper what trains what would, have, what would have been nice would have been if the old euro star um yes had been if one had somehow found a way to convert those because then you could have then you would have had trains that were already um that already had the multi-voltage um, and, and multi-voltage yeah. and were approved for the tunnel and for France and for the UK. Uh, then you could have had those going from from the UK uh, very very deep into Europe, into mainland Europe. But um, they were, but these were uh, quite a few of these have already been scrapped. Mm, yeah, it's just, it's, a, it's a shame that they've got. I mean, I understand that they're highly complicated machines and they're built to a gauge that they don't need to be restricted by anymore. But it mm. it is a shame that, that that they haven't been exploited uh, mm. to to, you know, to create uh, something new and interesting. But there we go. Uh, apologies to everyone in the feed. Uh, yeah, I forgot to put my main bedroom light on, so it's a bit dark in here. But you're seeing me in a bit of an eerie sort of background. So. Uh, Highly professional outfit here. Okay, so there's quite a few questions coming through about various bits and pieces about scissor lifts and all sorts of things. But I, I think, yeah, certainly German stations have generally all, I think all of them have that lift to allow, because uh, yes. these are standard Deutsche Bahn coaches. I can't remember what the... Well, the, uh, these, the, the, these, these are not just standard Deutsche Bahn coaches. These are standard RIC coaches. Ah, okay, so, so they're, so they're pan-European pan standards. Yeah. And that, um, uh, th these are standards which... Uh, which uh, which were in I think they came up with them in the 1930s, but uh, these these are 19 uh, uh, the oldest carriages from the 1960s. But they they all adhere to uh, the, the standards which allow them to be sent uh, uh, throughout the RIC carriages, uh, the RIC countries. Oh, yeah, interesting. Right, so conscious of time. Uh, let's what's next? Ah, okay. So this is an interesting photograph. Tell us. Oh, first of all. On screen, we have, and you might be able to embellish this. Um, in mm. fact, which station are we at? Where is this? This is this is this is Krakow in ah, Poland. Is, okay, this is Krakow. 
and um, so it's quite an interesting sort of modern-ish looking station. We've got quite a retro-looking locomotive uh, mm. with this sort of uh, kind of uh, horizontal piping, but actually looks like it's had a good, it looks clean and tidy, so uh, probably had a bit of a refurb. Um, nice bright lights, nice classic-looking pantographs, uh, mm. you know, the diamond pantos. And uh, there's a nice EMU in the background as well, but, or is it an EMU? Maybe it's a DMU, actually, yeah, in the background. Flirt. Oh, it's, it's a, a flirt. flirt, lovely. Nice Stadler unit, marvellous. Um, mm. And then some, some white and red coaches. Uh, there's a there's a there's someone with a whistle at, or, or, or a cup of tea. In that's, the, that's the Polish guard. Ah, yeah. Uh, mm. In the foreground. And, and everything just looks quite... It's quite an atmospheric photo. There's a, a, that feeling of a sleeper train ready to just about ready to go. The platform looks empty, a couple of doors open perhaps, but it's quite an exciting feeling. It certainly was the case. It's always the case whenever I've got a sleeper. Most of the sleepers I've got are up to the Scottish Highlands and I'm sat in the seated coach. But there was always a sense of anticipation as the train creaked mm, silently yes. forwards. So it was always good. Um, so tell us about this photo. What's going on here? Well, this is um, this is a photo from one of the most exciting trains I ever I ever had the um, had the pleasure to run mm. as a guard. It was um, it, uh, 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 already with the company I work for now, Banteristic Express, who are specialised in um, uh, special and charter trains. Mm. And this was um, a train from Paris to Auschwitz, mm. and it. Took it, it left Paris in the uh, in it, it took almost twenty I think it took over just over twenty four hours to, to complete this trip. It left Paris in the afternoon and got to Auschwitz in the very early evening. And uh, what was was uh, what it illustrates is um, uh, the, the the route we had to go with this train was uh, we couldn't go directly from France into Germany because uh, neither France nor Germany. Uh, had engines that could uh, that could get the train across the border, <laughs> so so it had to go from Paris into Switzerland at Basel. Then at Basel we had from uh, uh, in Basel we had the, to have a Swiss engine for a very very short time. Uh, then uh, so from Basel uh, from Basel SBB to Basel Bad. Then in Basel Bad we then got the German engine and then. Uh, uh, the train went through the night through Germany to Passau and then from Passau then into Austria uh, via Vienna to uh, to Bjetslav into Czechia and then from Czechia into Poland. So it's an, an, uh, an amazing journey through. Yeah, incredible. Through lots of countries with with um, five different engines and uh, uh, the carriages are built for this. They, they they can do it. They 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 all worked and they can take the voltage. But this this was a really long running classical night train where we just uh, changed the engines and and um, you had you had all the different countries working together to make the train run. And that was what that was something that was really nice. Uh, and what what I what I particularly love about international night trains is how uh, when you when you get to a new country, the 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 new railway staff come on. <laughs> really. And um, and. Uh, Talking to them and uh, co-op and helping them helping them run your train is 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 a, is very very gratifying. And yeah, that's why that's why I brought this picture. Yeah, along. it's that is. I mean, how easy is it to coordinate that the, the locomotive changes and, and things like that? Is it you know is it something that is just you know has to be you know you just hope that that locomotive is sat there waiting at the station to 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 kind of hook yes. up. Yes, yes, it has happened before that, that we, we got to the border and the engine wasn't there yet. In fact, in fact, on that particular trip, we got to the Polish border and the engine wasn't there yet, so we ended up delayed by about an hour. Crikey, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a... I mean, those long sleeper trains for me are always, certainly in the UK, they're the longest passenger trains that we run, so there's always this wonderful sort of long clacking of, of, of coaches passing and then... And they often take circuitous routes because you know they don't need to go. Okay, in Europe actually, they do need to do more direct routes because they've got longer distances to travel. But in the UK, they quite often end up nipping off onto the odd diversion route where where it's um, yes. the driver's able to. And it's just they're just there's, there's a there's a wonderful magic associated with them. They are fascinating, uh, fascinating sorts of sorts of journeys. Um, so let's have. Uh, Let's have a what, what? What's the next one? Ah, right. Okay, right. So, I knew that people would want to ask this. So I have. 
I've put an image up of uh, this is the channel and some people waving their hands. Uh, this isn't actually what the, this is. This is uh, looks like the maintenance tunnel in the middle. Actually, that it's a bit of a weird one because that yeah, it's got to be this, the central service tunnel. Anyway, let's let's not digress. Uh, bef presumably before they got rid of the tracks underneath, so they could drive things back and forth on it. In any case, um, right? Everyone, ask your questions about pan channel. Uh, sleeper services. I will ask the question that so many people have asked, which is, firstly, why isn't there currently a sleeper service between the UK and the European mainland? Mm, well, one of the, one of the difficulties is um, is get, getting uh, is getting rolling stock, which can which can be approved for the very very stringent uh, safety. Um, uh, uh, safety regulations for the for the Channel Tunnel. Mm. Um, I I read an article recently by oh, I think I think it was on Twitter. I read read something that someone had someone had written who who had had really really worked very very hard on starting a sleeper service through the Channel Tunnel, mm. and his main problem was actually um, uh, UK immigration. So yes. uh, so uh, UK immigration said that uh, any station. Of, at every station where they stopped, they'd have to have a have a have a Eurostar style terminal, mm. which is just is, and it, that it was just uh, you couldn't you couldn't possibly persuade uh, uh, other railway other railway infrastructure managers to to build these because why should they make this exception just for the United Kingdom? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, then, uh, but. Uh, I didn't know about this before. I, I just thought it was mainly just uh, the tunnel security and French pr protectionism because uh, because of, of the French wanting to keep keep it to themselves and uh, want to want to um, uh, wanting to have just Eurostar running through it. Um, so I think uh, and, and and also it, it came at. Uh, the, the, the Channel Tunnel was built just before air travel was deregulated, yeah, and then air travel was deregulated, and then everyone just started flying everywhere. Yeah, it's, uh, it, still... it did. It certainly, yeah. In, in terms of through, you know, in the early nineties, when it when the when the original night, uh, you know, the Night Star stock, that, that, that yes. most of it, most of which is now in Canada. Um, yes. That, that that stuff was intended to run, and, and 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 then it was also connected not just to the sleeper services, but also to regional. Eurostar services, not not sleeper services, and you're right. It just came at the point when EasyJet and a load of other budget flyers had started buying a load of cheap 737s or or Airbuses and yes. running very cheap European services that just essentially mm. negated the need for that service. Mm. Um, and this is where COVID is interesting because you've got uh, you've got this push to reduce the number of kind of uh, internal European flights where there's a decent rail service paralleling. Um, and and so maybe that does okay. Not so much perhaps for uh, you know, there are there continue to be serious practical reasons why there cannot be a sleeper train through the channel. As you say, rolling stock and customs are the two main kind of issues. But so, yeah, the the, the 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 climate at the moment is just just doesn't favour it. So yeah. you you need you need two two things to change, which are very very difficult to change. And one is you would you you would need uh, French railway policy would have to change, which which is not very likely. And then UK immigration policy would also have to change, and that that seems even less likely. Yes, yeah, that's some we're on a somewhat um, opposite trajectory to to that. Mm. Um, and a lot of people say, well, why can't you check? You know, why can't you check these things on the train? The reality is that the the the, the stupidly renamed UK Border Force just wouldn't have it. They they want to have mm. full facilities in stations. Yes, um, yes you probably could have immigration checks on the train um particularly for a sleeper service where it's mm. you know not quite the number of pa a smaller number of passengers uh, easy to work your way through the train between stops but that just also isn't... in other countries it's normal as well yeah so, exactly so yeah. but unfortunately the uk we it just won't cut it our government is not interested the home office is not interested so um so there you go really that's why uh so it's a hashtag abolish the home office sort of situation i think uh, get rid of the Home Office, and you might find that we can. Um, you might find there's some change. But until then, uh, yes. And some people are pointing out Brexit does screw everything. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's so that's. Hopefully that answers your questions on um, 
in fact, there are several questions related to that coming up. So yeah, there's, a, there's some good, good discussions. There's some people optimistically saying, well, when we eventually do join Schengen, uh, yeah, I mean, that probably will happen in about 15 years. But uh, we've got some internal politic, political battles to go on before that happens uh, here. Um, yeah, so what's the one? Did I stick? And, right, okay. So anything else you want? Let's, let's tell you what, let's, let's get Ed, nice big full screen Ed. There we go. It's very dark in here. Apologies for people trying to work out why it's so dingy and creepy in here. Um, Ed, thanks so much. Um, any, anything else you want to add? That's been a fantastic, fascinating little uh, kind of journey through sleeper train operations. Um, well, I've written quite a lot about sleep about night trains on my blog. So, mm. um, if I could, if I could somehow put the the link to my to yeah, the what I'll do is you can send me after, and I'll stick it into the the chat uh, into the the description of the video so that people can find then, it. Then you can, then you can see all my work on night trains. So I've got I've uh, recently posted a posted a uh, a post about my about the train I'm working on at the moment, which is the Alconsult mm. Night Express. But then I I I got. 13 hacks for sleeping on any night train. Then I've got, uh, I wrote about uh, the Astra Transcarpatic night service, night train, which is in Romania. And that, that is also a privately run uh, night train, which they started in 2000 s 2017 or so, um, run by Astra, uh, run by Astra, who make uh, rolling stock. So it was a company that made rolling stock and they decided to run a night train with it. That's interesting. Ah, oh, yeah. So, so head over to that. Well, I'll, I'll put the link in the description for everyone. Um, head over and have a read. That sounds absolutely fascinating. Um, yeah. Right. So we've got some. As as usual, we'll, we'll close out with some ads and general pluggings. So, um, firstly, thanks to everyone who's joined us in podcast form. And, and indeed, you can go down to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the, the other one, uh, the boxy, colourful one. Um, and listen at your leisure. Thanks. Uh, always give me feedback on how terrible a job I do of audio described. Uh, I always do my best to make sure it's, I've described everything on screen, but uh, yeah, mixed success as ever. <laughs> um, uh, what else? Um, oh yeah, Patreon. So head to Patreon if you want to vote on future Railnatter themes and generally uh, get kind of inform what Railnatter does and, and kind of other stuff that I do. Uh, but also there's PayPal if you want to just dump, dump if you want to do a specific oh, that was nice, here's, here's two pounds, then uh, you can do that on PayPal as well. So um, thanks for everyone who does that. Indeed, thanks to all Patreon supporters. Uh, new thing, a new thing, which is, I don't know what it is really, it's Discord. No idea. But it exists now, and you can find it. There's a Rail Natter Discord. Um, I have no idea how you find it, but presumably if you search Rail Natter in Discord, you can find it, or there's a, there's a permalink that's on... Uh, I, I can try, I probably put a put it in the description maybe uh, but um also you can if you're a patreon supporter you get exclusive stuff in the discord as well like you can prod me in the chat and and, and we chat about future episodes so discord whatever that is there is one now um oh also plugging i was on um well there's your problem podcast if that's your cup of tea, which it ought to be, because it's brilliant. Uh, we're, we're yeah talking about the great heck derailment. So if you if you want to hear if you want a, an irreverent look at that with uh, the brilliant crew at Well, there's your problem podcast. Then do that because it's uh, it's a good it's two hours long. So if you really want some long form podcast, that's where you want to go. There are slides also. It's not I've, I've not it's not a copycat. Railnet is not a copycat format. I promise. Um, oh, and lastly, lastly. Oh, no, not quite lastly, but also lastly. Uh, oh, Googling Rail Natter Discord works, apparently. Um, go and vote for the pro go and vote for progress uh, at avantiwestcoast.co.uk slash pride. Uh, if you want to make sure that, or, or increase the chances that the train gets called progress, which I think is a very good idea, then do that. Um, do that. And um, the last thing, I think, is, yeah, what's, what's happening next week? Uh, it's going to be another just me one. Um, apologies, because you know guests are more fun than just me. In any case, uh, the, the episode twenty-seven is going to be a hundred ways for railway rails to fail. So I'm just going to talk about ways that rail that railway rails can disintegrate, squish, burst into flames, uh, disappear, shatter like glass, and or a variety of other ways that rails can disintegrate. Uh, hopefully that'll be interesting, and I will see you next week for that. But um, in the meantime. Uh, it only remains really to say uh, for, for Ed and I to, to, to bid you cheer. Ed, that's been fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, thank you. Thank you for having me. I really, really enjoyed it. Oh, good stuff. And, and the, the, the chat has enjoyed it very much. Lots of, uh, lots of, lots of chat. Oh, uh, the, 
uh, there's some okay, so some career questions in there. Jack, I will answer the career question because I always like a career question. Any advice to get into the rail industry? Um, uh, yes, go and do some googling. Go into the Network Rail website. Particularly, they have quite a good jobs uh, website. They give you an idea of the sorts of things you need in terms of background and thing. But also, hit me up on Twitter, and I can give you more direct, uh, detailed answer. Or Discord. There's a career channel in the Discord where loads of people have got lots of advice. Um, anyway. Ed, that's been brilliant. Thank you so much. Everyone in the chat, thank you. Yeah. You've been brilliant. Patreon supporters and everyone, you've all been brilliant. It only bit really remains for the two of us to sort of say cheerio. So, um, yeah. Cheerio, everyone. Cheerio. 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 cheerio.